How about that? Oh, there we go. We're there. Hurrah, hurrah, hurrah. Well, good morning. Finally, we've got there and we're ready. So uh, let's just pray and give this time to the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for this time to uh, sit and reflect on your word. Lord, would my words be your words and would they resonate amongst us? And would we take something home with us from this talk? In your name. Amen. Right, so this morning we're back on our Peter series. So um, we haven't done it for, I think, three weeks now with half term and everything. Is this the third week, maybe? Two weeks. Um, So we're going to have a quick recap um, as well about where we're up to. So um, I think we will start with the reading, which is in 1 Peter. Everyone's got a Bible on their chair, or they should have. Um, And the passage is 1 Peter uh, chapter 3 verses 1 to 7. It will be on the screen behind, but it's always good to flick through a Bible, I think. It's good practice. So we'll just read this and then go through it. So it says, Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives, when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Your beauty should not come from outward adornments, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewellery or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past, who put their hope in God, used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. So this is one of those passages that when we first read it, it can slightly grate on us because it uses quite strong language. Um, It will seem more relevant to some of us than others, but the principle, I think, underneath it all is the same for all of us. So these verses are actually a continuation from the previous um, passage which Joy spoke to us on. Um, There wouldn't have been any chapter and verse breaks in the original text. So Peter has written this letter, this is the recap, he's written this letter to the early Christians in the uh, uh, church in Asia Minor to encourage them in their faith. He starts by praising God for the hope that Jesus brings and he urges them to lead holy lives and to live as his chosen people. Uh, He offers good advice on how to be holy in an unholy world. So then he goes on, the the passage that says to submit to the authorities, the emperor and the governors, for by doing so, they will be leading by example. And he tells them that their behavior will speak louder than words. He also tells them they should be respectful, living as a slave to God. And actually that goes for us today, because by doing so, we can live in freedom. But he was saying that they can live in freedom. And it has to start there. It has to start with submitting to God. So when it says to live as God's slave, in the context of submission, it's giving our will over to his. He also calls for slaves to submit to their masters in reverent fear of God. So he's saying that 
if you were a slave and your master was not very nice, you still needed to submit to his authority because it's about keeping their eyes on the uh, heavenly things rather than being caught up in earthly troubles. So again, it's all about leading by example, about standing out from the crowd and about being different. He goes on to say, we're to submit to others with human authority. And I guess in context for us, it's our government, even if we might not agree with them, or our police office or anybody who has that level of authority. And we're to submit to them for the Lord's sake, not our own, but for his. And then the, the bit before that also goes on to say about, Peter likens this situation to Jesus. Um, and really, it's all about Jesus. You know, Christ suffered for us, leaving an example that we should follow in his footsteps. So it's all about how Jesus submitted to the authorities. He didn't try and defend himself during his trial for the crucifixion. He didn't stand there giving it what for. He just accepted what was happening to him because he knew that the Father's will went beyond that. And so he knew and he just stood there in silent dignity, despite he was being put to shame and he was tortured he knew he was carrying out the Father's plan and he suffered death in order that we might live. You know, so by his wounds, we've been freed and healed. Um, but he, didn't, he submitted to the authorities at the time when he was going through that horrendous trial. And so we're coming on to our passage today. And it starts with this controversial verse, wives in the same way submit to your husbands. So I think we need to unpack what that actually means. Now, I know that there are some amongst us this morning who are married and some who aren't, some who are married to Christian men, some who are married to non-Christians. But I think um, this particular passage was actually written for women who had non-Christian husbands. But I think the principles underlying it can apply to all of us, no matter what our situation is. So asking wives to submit to their husbands, what does it mean? So I looked up definition of submission and I've come to this conclusion that it's the action of submitting to the will or authority of another person. So fairly self-explanatory, I think. But I thought it might be good to have a look at what submission is not. So I, you know, Google is my friend. I love Googling to find out information. So I had a look online and I found this blog online by a lady called Mary Cassian, who wrote a piece about this in response to, uh, there was an author called Helen Keld. She was writing a book um, about a year, living a year on, as biblical womanhood. Now, coincidentally, I'm actually reading this book at the moment. It was lent to me by somebody, and it's really quite fascinating. She's taken every aspect of um, direction for female living from the Bible, and she's trying to live it out over a period of 12 months. And uh, I can see how far we've come since, you know, as she's living it and explaining how difficult she's finding it all, we've come a long way since there. So Mary writes about these misconceptions. There are seven. And so the first one is that uh, submission is a universal thing. And she suggests that it doesn't make sense outside of a faith community since it's defined by the relationship between God the Father and God the Son. It can't be properly understood apart from that. So we need the Holy Spirit in us to be able to fully live out life in submission. Secondly, it's just for women. No, it's not just for women. 
every Christian, male and female, has the responsibility to submit to the Lord and also to the authorities the Lord has put in their lives, and they can't be disassociated. A biblical definition of submission cannot fully be understood apart from the biblical definition of authority. So the third misconception is that every man has, every woman, sorry, has to submit to every man. And that's not right either, because the passage encourages a wife to submit to her own husband. So that's just one man, not every man. The next thing is that submission is a right. And again, that's not right either. It is a choice made by the woman in her own time and her own way. Submission can mean mindless acquiescence, that just give in to everything along the way. But we don't want any doormats. We're not doormats. And uh, I don't think the Bible is asking us to be a doormat and have that mentality. It doesn't mean that we're to lay down and do everything we're told. I'm not sure any of us can really handle that. I certainly can't. I'm far too feisty and opinionated. But um, I think, yeah, I think we have to recognize that. Uh, submission creates unequal partnerships. Uh, no, I don't think that's right either. Both men and women have a responsibility to each other to love and encourage and build one another up. And the, uh, the final misconception is that submission promotes abuse. But when it's properly understood and enacted, relationships within the Christian community, uh, it can serve as a protective function. So every authority is accountable to a high authority. So uh, the community structure of the Christian community encourages husbands to fulfill their responsibilities to love as Christ loves them and then to hold them to account when they don't so it, it should affect all of us and if we look at that text at the very first sentence there's a little phrase that says in the same way and this is picking up on that bit from the previous passage which is uh, asking women to submit in the way that Jesus submits so wholeheartedly and without complaint. You'll be pleased to know that it isn't just the women that get the tricky commands either. At the end of the passage this morning, there's a whole load of stuff for the men to do as well. And theirs is actually much harder. So Billy Graham's wife, Ruth, said this. If, within the context of their marriage, if we disagree, I tell Billy what I think. And then I pray to God that God will speak to him. And then I tell Billy that he can make the decision and I'll go with whatever he says. So no pressure there then. <clears throat> so, but that's for a wife of a Christian household husband. If she has a non-Christian husband, there are some differences. So she can only submit insofar as he's not telling her to disobey God. So if there's some things that you're allowed to say no to, for example, lying or stealing or some other Thing that goes against the very grain of uh, God's commands to us. In today's society, it's much less likely that the man will expect her to obey because the equality around today changes all of that. And that change started with Jesus and his attitude to women. And because our society is shaped by Christian values, it's not quite the same in Muslim culture. But this is aimed mainly at women whose husbands were not yet believers. And Peter is encouraging them to witness by the way they act rather than with their words. And in doing so, lead their husbands to salvation. Ooh. 
So I don't know if you've ever had this problem, uh, but I have discovered through my life that nagging doesn't work. I was nagged as a child. My poor mother, I look back now and think I was so stubborn. If I didn't want to do something when she wanted me to, I just wouldn't. And I apologise for that, Mum, sorry. Um, but I hated to be nagged and it didn't get the job done any quicker. And now as an adult and I have my own family, there are times when I fail and the nagging starts. And again, it doesn't work. I have really discovered this. It um, doesn't stop me doing it, I have to say. But I know that it's not usually the best way of achieving something. But Peter was trying to encourage the women to not be nagging or preaching at their husbands, but to stand out of the crowd by behaving differently, by living a different life that has been transformed by Jesus, so that there'll be enough in, uh, difference enough to provoke interest about why that difference is there. So he also encourages them not to use adornments and fine clothing and fancy hair, but to be beautiful on the inside with a quiet and gentle spirit. So we all, I'm sure, we don't need to debunk the myth about beauty, but I'm sure we all know that beauty, true beauty, doesn't come from the external stuff. Uh, with magazines and social media and all around us saying we have to look this way, we have to dress this way, we have to wear this jewellery and have this handbag and spend a million pounds on our wardrobes. I'm sure we all know here that actually that's not the case and that's not important. But Peter was highlighting, especially to the women of the time, that uh, if they decorated their hair and wore fancy clothes and lots of jewellery, they were possibly uh, women of ill repute because that's how the prostitutes of the day would dress. And they were saying, well, if you dress like that, you will get a reputation for being like that. And so he was trying to encourage them to think about their appearance and how they come across, saying that their character traits are far more important uh, than their fashion sense. And out of interest, once again, I googled outfits for church because I thought, I wonder what an outfit for church out there looks like. Because I'm a jeans girl. I wear jeans and jumper all the time. I rarely wear skirts and dresses unless there's a really special occasion. So I thought I'd be interested to see. And I think probably the, there are pages and pages and pages of Google images for women outfits for church. I'm guessing a lot of them are probably for weddings and formal functions, but they're really quite astonishing. Some are gorgeous, some are a bit... Not my taste at all. But anyway, uh, what, what I also discovered, actually, through my Googling, was there are a number of blogs out there about dressing appropriately for church, but in the opposite direction. So for women who... Um, it could be men as well, but I'm concentrating on the women. For women perhaps dressing, even if they're comfortable in it, to be wearing maybe skin-tight clothes or low-cut clothes or hot pants. If I wore hot pants to church, my children would just die of embarrassment. It's never going to happen, I have to say. But um, I think if we were to wear it, and if we're comfortable in it, great. But actually, I think we do have to be slightly mindful of how we're looking. Maybe we will be causing a distraction to people in the church, and that might not help them worship God if they're too busy admiring our outfits or not, as the case may be. So I think, you know, I think it's fair to say that all of us here have got it sussed. But it just made me think, actually, how do we dress? Are we appropriate? Are we honouring of God? And, um, you know, it's just in the back of my mind, I think, as a general rule, we're fine. But it is worth considering. So Peter then goes on to talk about the gentle and the quiet spirit. I think on the face of this, I would really struggle because there's not really a lot that's quiet about me, especially when I laugh. And so those of you who know who me will know that's true. So um, 
But I think what he's really getting at is to kind of display an air of serenity. I know that's not always possible, especially when you've got young children and they're not doing what they're told. Um, but to be content, it's about being able to handle a situation without um, losing their egg. I know we're all human and we all have days where actually the patience runs out and it just happens and we all lose our egg sometimes. But I think what Peter was getting at was to try and exercise the fruits of the spirit the gentleness the kindness and the you know the self-control and by being that kind of person actually speaking volumes about who we are why are we like that you know being able to take a deep breath and put reasoned argument across rather than to um, create a stink because we're not getting our own way so in proverbs i'm sure lots of us might know this but in proverbs at the end there's um, a whole passage written about the wife of noble character. And it was written by a man, but inspired by the writings of his mother. And the passage starts with this. It says, a wife of noble character, who can find? She is worth far more than rubies. So even then, they could see the benefit of character traits over external beauty. And uh, further down that passage, it says that charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Again, recognising that actually a woman's character is more important. So throughout the Bible, there are a number of references to our character being more important than our looks. In 1 Samuel 16 verse 7, it says that the Lord doesn't look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. So God is more interested in who we are than what we're wearing. And one of the lovely things about when I went to Africa last year was the noticeable difference in this. Certainly in the community that I was in, the desire to look and be a certain way just wasn't there. And as far as I could make out, there wasn't really any pressure uh, for that to happen either. And it was really refreshing. You could just go about and not worry about whether your hair was a mess, what, you know, if your top matched your trousers. They just weren't interested in that. And that was quite releasing, really. So you do feel the pressure here sometimes to conform. So um, Peter also, um, he goes on in this passage and says that, you know, Sarah, Abraham's wife, she was an example to follow. She wasn't a doormat, but she submitted her will to um, Abraham. She was very beautiful. I mean, twice he tried to pass her off as his sister because he was fearful she'd be taken off him. So... If we follow through this passage to the end, there's a command for our husbands. And um, they, they are charged with loving their wives as Christ loves us, ready to lay down their lives. They get a much tougher deal than the women. And actually, I'm going to ask you to turn to Ephesians now, um, because there's a kind of parallel passage that runs through this um, on this theme. And so it's Ephesians 5, starting at verse 21. And we'll just read those verses. And the first, the first verse of this section says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then we go on to the wives bit. And it says, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. So it's as you do to the Lord. So it's all about Jesus. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the saviour. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so wives should submit to their husbands in everything. So the wives get three uh, verses there 
to submit to their husbands as Christ, as the church submits to Christ, because it's a kind of parallel as well. So Christ is the bridegroom and the church is his bride. And we are all part of that. But then it goes on to say, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Uh, so he died for his church uh, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing of water and through the word. And it goes on for another eight verses. So the men actually get nine verses of instruction of how to love their wives and how to look after them. And the women get three. So actually, the men do get a tougher deal. And they're charged with um, being ready to lay down their lives for their wives as Christ did for his church. And I think that's quite a tall order. But one of the key verses, actually, of that passage is the first one, which is submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So God is asking us to, first and foremost, above all, is to submit to him, to allow his will to be more important than our own. And then by doing that, submitting to one another in the same way. So that submission isn't just for a woman. It's not just for wives. It's not just for husbands. It's all for all of us. So men and women, we all need to follow Christ's example in this. So the key verse to take away is submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And actually, there's a verse in 1 Peter 2, 13, says pretty much the same thing. So as we come into land on this talk, bearing in mind all of this, we are called to submit to Jesus. Our question this morning, before we go into our small groups, is to think about where in our lives do we need to submit? Is there anywhere that we need to submit? Are we doing it? And uh, if we're not doing it, where is that? So uh, I'd like to take a moment just to have a think and to pause and reflect. And then um, I'll finish up and we'll go to small groups after that. Okay, so take a couple of minutes. <laughs> 